Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and then also to Mark chapter 10. I want to talk to you about the fact that when we realize God is able to do anything, it will revolutionize our life. It will revolutionize our attitudes. It will revolutionize our relationships when we really grasp the fact that God is able. God is able. You see, when that becomes a part of our DNA, when that becomes a part of the way we live and breathe, when that becomes a part of every decision we make, then we can truly say, it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what walks in the door. It doesn't matter what drives up in my driveway and knocks on my front door. God is able. It doesn't matter what they're saying about COVID-19. It doesn't matter what's happening with protesters across the nation. It doesn't matter the social unrest and and, uh, disturbance that's happening right now. Because you and I have a bedrock, firm foundation belief that God is able. And listen, friend, during this time, more than anything, God is wanting to prove himself to those that are questioning and wondering, to those that are looking for answers. It is the day for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and declare, I have the answer, and the answer is my God is able. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is able. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul in verse 20 leaves us a little nugget. Actually, it's a bridge between chapters 1 through 3 and uh, 4 through 6. When you read the book of Ephesians, you'll know first that Paul wrote this from a prison in Rome. He was in the last years of his life. He would be executed not very long after writing this book. And he was writing to a church that he had founded where miracles occurred in a powerful way, where unusual signs and wonders happened through his ministry and through his hand, where the scripture says all of Asia heard the gospel of Jesus Christ during that two-year period when Paul was in Ephesus. Timothy, his son in the faith, at this time was pastoring this church as well, continuing the work of God and seeing God do great things in Ephesus. Most of you know Ephesus was a very pagan city. The whole center of Ephesus, its religious emphasis, was built around a cult of Diana and her temple. It was a horrible, horrible thing. I mean, when you compare the society we live in now to the culture and society of Ephesus, that is so much more dark than where we are today. So Paul was writing to a church that he had spent the first three chapters of this letter talking to them about doctrine, how to live the Christian life, talking to them about what's expected, talking about the gifts of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. Matter of fact, Ephesus 1 through 3 are often called the three most powerful doctrinal chapters in the entirety of the New Testament. So then when he moves to chapters 4 through 6, he moves to telling the folks at Ephesus and you and I by extension how to live out these great doctrinal truths that he's laid out for them in the first three chapters. And we need to understand that we can know what's expected, we can understand the Word of God, but if we don't have a source of power in our lives, we will never be able to live according to that Word. That was the problem with the Israelites. 
They knew the law, but could never measure up to the law. But when Paul begins to write these verses, he builds a bridge between doctrine, between knowledge, between what God demands and God commands, and how we live that out each and every single day. And that bridge is verse 20. Look at it with me. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able, now unto him who is able, write that down, mark it in your Bible, underline it, whatever you have to do. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all, above all, above all, that we could ask or even begin to think, according to the power that works in us. Now unto him who is able. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus Christ. And he's saying the way we live this Christian life is by the power of Jesus Christ at work in us that we know is shown in us and kept in us by the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. He says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power at work in us. I want you to think about that for just a moment. He made a statement that's broad, it's long, it's absolutely impossible to wrap our thinking around. Because he said, not only is God able to do anything above all that we could ask or think, he's able to exceed our visions, our dreams, our imaginations, he's able to exceed our goals, he's able to exceed everything possible in the realm of humanity if we understand he's able. He's able. Now when you get a bad diagnosis, you need to remember God is able. When your children are in rebellion, you need to remember God is able. When there isn't enough money in the bank to pay this month's bills, you need to remember God is able. When your best friend turns his back or her back on you, you need to remember God is able. When the church or the pastor or the deacons fail you, you need to remember God is able. When there is no way or seems to be no way, you need to remember God is able. I love that song, Graves into Gardens. And I love those lines where he says that God makes a highway through the sea. Oh, come on, somebody. Today you need to know no matter what you face, you serve a God who is able. If you're watching online this morning and you're across this country or around the world, you may be facing things bigger than you are. But I've come to this pulpit this morning to tell you that God I serve is able to intervene in your heart and in your life. He's able to bring an answer where you think there's only confusion and chaos. He's able to minister life and health and hope and strength where there's only disease and darkness and death in your future. I've come to declare we serve a God who is able. Can you say amen? amen. Come on church, God is able. Now, Paul wrote these words based on his personal experience with Jesus Christ. You can read Acts chapter 9 and read the story of his conversion. Most of you know that Paul was a persecutor of the church, who was actually dispatched by the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious body in Jerusalem, to stamp out this thing they called the way, or the followers of Jesus Christ. He actually had letters in his pocket. He had arrest warrants, so to speak, going to the city of Damascus to round up every believer in Jesus Christ and bring them back to Damascus in shackles. And on the road to Damascus, you'll remember Jesus interrupted his life. 
Now, somebody in this room this morning, somebody watching or listening today, you need to know you're here because God has set you up to interrupt your life. He's put you in this place at this moment, at this time, to interrupt your life, to stop you on the destructive path that you are walking, and to bring life and hope to you today. So before this service concludes, allow God to make that divine interruption and turn your life completely around. Paul was interrupted by Jesus. A bright light shone from the heavens. He fell to the ground. He was blinded. Jesus revealed himself to him. Then he said, go to the house of Judas. Wait there three days. And the Bible says Paul was there three days neither eating or drinking. And the Spirit of God spoke to a man named Ananias. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad my name isn't Ananias in those kind of times. Because he said, go to the house of Judas and you'll find Paul there. Pray for him that he may receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So he went, he prayed, all that occurred and happened. And as Paul Harvey used to say, that's the rest of the story. So when Paul is writing these verses, when he's declaring unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even begin to think, he's doing it from personal experience. He knows that God is able. If you don't believe that, read his story. He was shipwrecked, spent a night and the day in the deep. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was jailed. He was ran out of town. He was in hunger and thirst often. He goes on and on with the perils, the trials, the tribulations. But now at the close of his life, he takes up a pen to write to Timothy and to you and me. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even begin to think according to the power at work in us. Oh, somebody, get that in your spirit this morning. Know that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. He's telling you it's time to get out of the doldrums. It's time to cast off the depression. It's time to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And it's time to declare God is able. God is able. I think about that, and I know that Paul knew the Old Testament. He was a scholar. No doubt in my mind, he knew what Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah, as you know, prophesied during the time of Israel's captivity in Babylon. A 70-year period, they were held there. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 10, down through about, I believe, verse 14, Jeremiah prophesies to Israel. He says, this is the word of the Lord, that I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to return you to the place you should be. And this is what he says in verse 11 of that passage. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Paul knew that word. He knew that God had a plan for every single one of us. Not just the Israelites in Babylonian captivity, but down through the ages, extended to this day, July 12, 2020, when you'd be sitting in a sanctuary or you'd be watching a service online. He came to declare to you, I've got a plan for you. I've got purpose for you. I've got a place for you. Oh, and all you have to do to step into that place is understand God is able. God is able to move every distraction, to break through every circumstance, to move anything that deters you from him. He is able. All you have to do is grasp that simple concept. 
that simple truth. You see, in Christianity, in the Western church, we've made this thing way too difficult. It's really not that hard to follow Jesus, folks. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's the way of the transgressor that is hard. But what I've found so many times, because we don't grasp the concept that God is able, then we give up, we give in, we throw in the towel. I read something not long ago that says when you're ready to throw in the towel, God throws it back at you and says, wipe off your face and get back in the game. Somebody needs to hear that today. Get back in the game. Quit feeling sorry for yourself because God is able. He's able. He's able. Someone said, isn't it a shame we can't worship as we normally do? I got news for you. You can be restricted by the government if you want to be, but I've come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no governing authority that is going to keep me from exalting the name of Jesus at any time or at any place. It's time to understand God is able. He's able. So as I begin thinking about this concept, there are so many examples through the New Testament of Jesus proving God's ability through him. So many outstanding miracles. So many times when he interrupted someone's circumstance and brought them a divine answer. So many times when the hand of God simply reached down, touched someone, and altered and changed their life forever. And that's what God wants to do in this place today. That's what God wants to do for you in this room where you're at today. So look at Mark chapter 10. Just one story I want to share with you from Mark chapter 10. It shows the ability of God to interrupt someone's life and change them forever. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard... I want you to underline that phrase. I want you to remember that statement. When he heard. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you're in this room today or you're watching this service today and you say, I'd like to believe, but I'm not sure I can. All, all you need to do is hear. All you need to do is hear what God can do for you. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to crowd and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, I want you to catch that. First, he heard that Jesus was coming. Secondly, when Jesus said, Come to me, he threw off everything that once identified him. He threw off that beggar's rag. He threw out that scrap of cloth. He threw off that thing that was filthy dirty from standing at the roadside or sitting at the roadside begging every single day. Some of you in this room and some of you watching online need to cast off some things this morning. You need to get rid of it, throw it away, and run to Jesus. It says he threw aside his garment, rose, and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I want to pause here for just a moment. Because often when we read the scripture, we apply it to the person in the scripture. Bartimaeus was blind. He had a great need. He'd been a beggar his whole life. What did he want? He wanted to receive his sight. But I've got news for you. The same Jesus of Nazareth. 
is walking the aisles of this sanctuary, invading the recesses of your home, the same Jesus of Nazareth is posing the question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you need from me? Oh, friend, it's time to stop looking in every other avenue and every other source. Stop chasing doctors. Stop chasing philosophies. Stop chasing other uh, remedies and look to Jesus because Jesus is saying, what can I do for you? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rub an eye, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Four things I want to share with you very quickly from this passage of Scripture. First, if we know God is able, then we're going to do everything in our power to get into his presence. We're going to move heaven or move earth. We're going to move people. We're going to move things. We're going to ignore the detractors. We're going to ignore the doubters. And we're going to get where we can experience him. If we know he is able. Oh, I know he's able today, don't you? I know he's able to do anything this morning, don't you? I know that there's no problem too big. Well, let me pause about it for a minute. I had to say when Yvonne was talking a while ago, she said, I'm going to stand tall. And I'm thinking to myself, 5'3", you're not going to stand very tall, lady. God's not going to grow you up any higher. I'm just kidding. I love to kid her. Y'all know that. She's a great gal. That was a good word this morning. But we need to understand God is able. The blind beggar named Bartimaeus, who was sitting outside the city of Jericho on a well-traveled road where he'd get good offerings, understood, I can't let this opportunity Pass me by. How many have said, next week, next month, next year? How many have said, the next opportunity? No, blind Bartimaeus said, this opportunity will not pass me by. I heard that it's Jesus. I've heard what he has done. I know he's opened blind eyes before. I know he's healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, caused leprosy to disappear. He's raised the dead. I've heard what this dude can do, and I will not allow this opportunity to pass me by. Some of you today, this is your opportunity. This is your day. God is speaking specifically to you, and he's saying, now, today is the day of your salvation. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't say next week, next month. Next year. Don't say, when I get this thing out of my life. Don't say, once I get cleaned up. Oh, Jesus takes you just like you are. He didn't ask that blind beggar to go take a shower first. He didn't say, go put on some decent clothes. He didn't tell him, once you've learned the Torah, he said, what can I do for you? And he's saying the same thing to you and I today. He refused to let the opportunity pass him by because he realized, catch this, don't miss it. He realized his present temporary condition would not be his future permanent state if he could just get to Jesus. If he could just get to Jesus. If he could just get to the place where the Son of God could lay a hand on him or speak a word to him, he would be changed forever. Oh, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Jesus is here. He still heals. He still delivers. He still forgives. He still renews. He still restores. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Let today be the day 
that you act as blind Bartimaeus and you begin to shout, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. I read that scripture and I thought, wow, that's funny. Because too many of us, we need to be warmed up. We gotta have somebody prime our pump. We gotta have Tom lead us in worship. Oh, listen to me. There was no church service this day. There was no choir. There were no singers. There were no great gospel songs. All there was was a man who could meet a need and a man who had a need. And when those two came together, heaven touched earth and miraculous things occurred. Somebody hear me. You don't have to get to a church house. You just have to get to Jesus. And in that moment, he will touch you and make you every bit whole. Have mercy on me, he cried. The text tells us when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he refused to be silent. This is my day. This is my opportunity. I'm not going to live another day in blindness if I can just get his attention. And he did whatever was required to get his attention. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says he was shouting. And those around him said, be quiet. But he refused to do it. He shouted all the louder. Have mercy on me. Oh, listen to me. If you understand, there is a man with the answer whose name is Jesus who can meet your needs. Nobody's going to keep you silent. Nobody's going to stand in your way. You're going to get up and you're going to begin to shout, Jesus, have mercy on me. Do something in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm so sick and tired of organized religion. I'm sick and tired of coming in and saying the same thing week after week. It's time for the people of God to begin to lift a shout and to say, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Watch what he does when we begin to reach out to him. Secondly, he didn't let the crowd keep him from shouting. Verse 48, many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David. Have mercy on me. There are some naysayers, maybe they're sitting right beside you this morning in the sanctuary, in your living room. Maybe they're riding down the road in the car with you right now as you're listening to the radio. There are naysayers who will try to tell you that's not for you. That's not for today. That doesn't apply. That age has passed away. The day of miracles is gone. It died with the last apostle, Apostle John. It's not for you and I today. Naysayers will try to tell you, you may as well just be quiet and live in your mess. Well, I have come to tell you today that's not God's plan for your life. His plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. His plan is to give you hope and a future. His plan is to make a way where there seems to be no way. His plan is to touch you and revolutionize your life. Would somebody get in faith with me today and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't allow the naysayers to shut you up. Don't allow the doubters to turn you aside. That old blind man said, it doesn't matter what some pinhead tells me. I'm going to cry all the louder. I just have to get his attention. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Touch me. Change me. Oh, I believe, friend, that if you and I get the concept that God is able, then in times of difficulty, in times of trial, in times of testing, we're going to lift up a shout and nobody's going to silence us. 
They're going to hear us ringing out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when we do, there will be those that say, you may as well shut up. But they don't know my story. They don't know your story. They don't know that you're saved. You're redeemed. You're blood bought. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. They don't know that you're walking in victory. They don't know you have hope and a future. They don't know all that he's already done for you. So you shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Don't let them shut you down. Don't let them shut you up. A few years ago, someone said to me, you get way too excited when you preach. Have you ever watched me watch a, watch a football game? Have you ever watched me watch a basketball game? When my grandson is on that court and he's dropping threes one after another, do you think I'm sitting on my hands with my mouth shut? Absolutely not. I'm going to get up. I'm going to yell. I'm going to scream. I'm going to holler. I'm going to way to go, Dow. Way to go, Dow. Do it again. Do it again. Pass him the ball. Coach, what's your problem? Run that play for the three. Ref, that's a bad call. If I'm going to get that excited about Connor playing basketball, how much more excited am I going to get about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who stepped into my life, who turned my life around, who rescued and redeemed me, who put me on the right path and took me off the wrong? Somebody shouted out this morning, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He refused to allow the opportunity to pass him by. He refused to allow the crowd to keep him quiet. Number three, and he used what he had to get Jesus' attention. He didn't have a keyboard. He didn't have a trumpet. He didn't have a drum. All he had were his vocal cords. And he used them to the best of his ability. He lifted up his shout. He didn't have four friends to pick up the side of his cot. And carry him up to a rooftop and tear the roof away and lure him down in front of Jesus so Jesus could heal him. All he had was his shout. Oh, come on. Some of you have been saying, I can't because I don't. It's time to stop that. God's not looking for what you do have, don't have. He's looking for what you to offer to him what he does, you do have. Bring your shout to Jesus. Let him do what he can do. Verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped there in the road and said, tell him to come here. Oh, somebody, when you begin to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know what you're saying? You're saying God is able. I said God is able. I said God is able. It doesn't matter what your need. If you cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You're saying my God is able. He can open blind eyes. He can release the pains of disease. He can take me out of financial problems. He can mend that relationship. He can give me hope and a future. God is able used what he had he used what he had you know what I know I know 99.9% .9 of you in this room or watching this message have a shout and you can lift it up you can declare it to him I have a cousin who is deaf she often watches the broadcast Tracy I'm speaking to you I know you don't have full use of your vocal cords, but if you'll lift up a shout, 
God will touch you right there in Wichita, Kansas. He'll revolutionize your life. He will meet your needs. You and Billy will be touched and changed because you chose to give him what you have. Number four, he got rid of everything that would hinder him from getting to Jesus. Look at verse 50. Bartimaeus yanked off his old coat, flung it aside, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What an example. It's not enough to cry. It's not enough to shout. You need to move. You need to move. You see, faith is all about taking one step after another. Someone said, well, I would trust God if I knew what was going to happen tomorrow. That's not your prerogative. That's not your job. That's his job to direct your tomorrows. Your job is take the next step. Your job is to say, I believe he's able. Your job is to say, I'm moving in faith. Your job is to get up from where you're sitting, cast off everything that has held you back, and move into the presence of God. Stop sitting on that seat. Stop sitting in that living room saying, it just isn't working for me. Do something. Get up. Cast off that old rag. Let me put it this way. Throw away every excuse. Throw away every false teaching you've ever heard. Look to what the Word of God says and come to the place where you say, if it worked for Bartimaeus, it'll work for me. If it worked for Zacchaeus, it'll work for me. If it worked for the Apostle Paul, it'll work for me. If it worked for Peter and James and John, it'll work for me. Cast it off and say to yourself, if it worked for the widow of Nain when her son was dead and Jesus raised him from the dead, it'll work for me. Oh, come on. God is no respecter of persons. He's simply waiting on you to cast off that thing that's holding you back and that has identified you for your entire life and move to where he can touch you. Not an alcoholic. You're not a drug addict. You're not a three-time loser. You're not divorced and never going to make it again. You're not a single mother without hope. You're not an abused child. I'm challenging you today to cast off everything that stood between you and Jesus that has identified you as something short of God's plan for your life and move to Him. Move to Him. Pastor Tom, come back. Move to Him. And when you choose to cast aside and move to Him, oh, you're going to be amazed at what God does in your life. You say, well, I just can't get there. Listen to me. If you can't run to Him, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. If you can't crawl, then get somebody to carry you into His presence. Whatever it takes, today is your day of action and response. Today is the day that you say, I'm tired of being sick and tired. And I'm going to run to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ 
then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.